0: This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Our theme this year comes... From Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, I want you to read it with me. Say it aloud. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that is at work in us. In fact, Paul will say in other scriptures, the power that rose Christ from the dead, from the grave, is a power that's within us. We believe that God wants to do greater things, that we're going to go beyond, that the mundane living that, that you've been having is not your portion, that that which God is desiring is something that you have not yet seen, dreamed, or, or even imagined. It's not even in your desires. And the reality of that scripture is, I don't know what God is wanting to do because I can't think it, I can't dream it, I can't imagine it. It's not even in my desires yet, but God wants to open me up in the spirit realm to something that I have not received yet. Is there somebody in the house that can agree with me? That God wants to do greater things and more of what what he desires will require us to discern in a deeper way. Now, where did this theme come from this year? We were on our pastor's retreat. Every year we, we take our pastors, our spouses on a, on a retreat. It's a vision and a strategy retreat where we're looking into the future and we're praying about what God is wanting to do. And I begin to share what I was sensing for this new year. Now we take this retreat way back at the end of September and October, and when and we 're looking in to 2020, and I said, "You know, I, I just kind of sense that what God has been doing." 2019 is a year of overflow that God wants to continue to do that and I said it's kind of like it's overflow 2.0 it's kind of like a continuation but a greater outpouring a greater overflow of the glory of God a greater 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 touch than what we've already experienced now begin to share that and afterwards one of our staff pastors, Pastor Tim, who preached actually on Christmas Eve, did a phenomenal, phenomenal job uh, sharing the Word of God, our youth pastor. Pastor Tim came up and he said, Pastor Tom, it sounds like going beyond, to go beyond where we are. It's one of our leadership values, one of the things that as leaders we are determining that we want to go beyond. We want to we be used in a greater way. We want to serve in a greater way. We want to do what people think aren't even logical or, or rational in our service as leaders but it's to go beyond it's to go further i begin to look up the definition of that and man it resonated in my spirit the definition of go beyond is to do more than to do more than we've been doing to go on with the definition it says to do more than is expected or require to go on with the definition to extend out to extend over or beyond the main body or line of something. That is to, to go beyond what's expected, what's required, to go beyond the position where I am right now. As I begin to pray on this, I begin to say, God, that's what you have for us as a church. I believe there's many here today that you're bored, you're apathetic, you're at a place that you feel trapped. Maybe there's some here today that if you're honest, you're spiritually weak, you feel powerless or purposeless. If you're really honest, you may even say, I'm doubting. I'm doubting God, I'm doubting what God can do. And yet you find that, that you're here, you're coming. But for many, God is just an idea. He's, he's a concept, it's, it's just a thought. It becomes a ritual, a part of our life that we come to church, but the reality is for more, more and more and more and more in the body of Christ. And boy, I sense that it's even here in our church, Christian Life Center, more and more are seeing God as this idea or a concept, a little something that they work into their life, but yet they really haven't made Christ the central theme or focus of their life. God began to stir this in me, and over the last few weeks, we started last week, and over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about how to activate the supernatural in your life, how to activate God's will and purpose and and enable you to go beyond your present position. So turn to your neighbor and say, get ready. God's taking you beyond. You're going beyond. You're going to a new place. I think that there are many that are empty, they're thirsty. There's many that are desiring an authentic move of God. I was with some, uh, some believers the other day, long-time believers. They've been serving the Lord for over 70 years. And they said, they quit going to a church, and they said, you know, we gave up on church. We didn't give up on God, but we gave up on church. We gave up on church because it's just ritual. It's routine. You don't see the power. You don't see the, the, the anointing. You don't hear what God is really saying. And it's just the same old, same old, same old, same old. Now, they don't live in South Florida, but that's what they were saying. And man, something jumped in my spirit and I said, God, there are a people, there is a remnant, there is a church that you're gathering that wants something more, that's hungry for something more, that's pushing for something more. Some people call that a revival Some people call that a a move of God. A revival is when something is brought back to life, where where, where people become more conscious of God and, 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 and the reality of who God is and the manifestation of the glory of God is manifested where God becomes more their focus than anything in the world. We're living in a time and an age and you've got to fight it and you've got to be aware of it and I preach on it all the time because it's a battle for all of us and that is we're in the world but we're not to be of the world. We're not to buy into the values of this world. We're not to embrace those. Those values are not our values. We're, been, we're, we're children of the Most High. And as children of the Most High, we've got kingdom values that got to drive our life and kingdom values that gets imprinted on us. And it's more than just an idea or a thought or a theology. It's more than just something you know, but it's something that gets into your bones and into your spirit. And you begin to say, God, I want to move. I want you to move. I want an awakening, God. I want an outpouring, oh God. I'm desperate for more. Can somebody, somebody feel that with me today? God, there's got to be more. That there's a spiritual hunger that's rising up from within, a hunger that says, God, I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied with man's plans. I'm not satisfied with all of the programming. We can have the best programming in the world, and then we can walk away still lacking something in our spirit and still saying, God, there's got to be more. I need the hand of God, the kiss of God. I need the blessings of God. I want to feel you, oh God. And I tell you, Jesus has always been attracted to the hunger that's in his people. When you get hungry for God, and when you're determined that you've got to touch God, I'm telling you, God will begin to release the supernatural. Those that are sick will be healed. Those that are depressed will be released. Those that need a touch from Almighty God will get that touch. Back in the revival days, we used to sing a song. We sing it sometimes here. Will usually is the one that cuts loose on this. And that is the, 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 the days of Elijah. where are fire from heaven. The power of God where you come in and you know that God is moving. So to go beyond something that's gotten into my spirit is, God, how do we go beyond? Especially if you've been in the church a long time. I mean, I've been in the church a long time. I grew up in it. Been preaching it for over 35 years. Been here a long time, doing it a long time. God, what is that that I can't even think, dream, or imagine? What is it that you are wanting to do that I haven't already seen you do? And boy, God, you've done a lot already. Man, God, I've seen an outpouring, but God, there's so much more. And God, began to drop three things. I don't have a lot of time, but I'm going to share these three things with you. I believe they're prophetic. They're not just little keys. I believe they're prophetic, and I hope that you'll embrace it. Turn to your neighbor, say, get ready. We're going beyond. We're going beyond. We're going beyond. The first key of going beyond — write it down, take your phone out, put it in a tweet — is we got to grow in spiritual discernment. Now. Don't lose me here. To go beyond God desire to do much more than we can think, dream, or imagine. It's not even in our desires. How do we get from the position that we're in? You might have been walking with God for many, many, many years. But how do you get to what you don't even know that God is wanting to do? It's going to require spiritual discernment. One of the most important keys of supernatural living, in fact, Sunday in all of our services we'll be talking about supernatural living, but one of the keys to supernatural living is discernment. Take your Bibles, click in your devices with me over to Hebrews chapter 5, and verse 11 is where I'm going to begin reading. Paul, I believe the writer of Hebrews, talks about spiritual discernment. Hebrews 5.11, Paul says this, there is much more, much more we would like to say about this. About what? Well, about the things that he's been talking about, all of these things in in the first several chapters. There's much more I'd like to say, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull And don't seem to listen. (laughs) Paul's pretty hard on them. Paul is basically saying, you're spiritually immature. There's more that I want to reveal. There's mysteries that God wants to reveal. And I want to share it with you. But I can't share it with you. I can't share it with you because you're spiritually dull. That word dull literally has the idea that some, that, that, that they are forgetful. That they're, they're spiritually lazy. It's this idea that they're spiritually immature and in some way they're deformed or, or they're undeveloped. And what he's saying here is he's saying he's linking it and he's saying there's more I want to give you, but you do not have the ability to grasp it. We're to understand it. He's saying you're spiritually complacent. And man, he's, it's a powerful word that he's getting ready to say to them because he says, you were hearing, you heard it, you were there, but something happened because you weren't listening. You were there, but not listening. Now if you have children, you know what that's like. You talk to your children, they're there. They hear you, but they're not listening. How many parents have said, are you listening to me? Paul was saying, you, 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 you're not paying attention. Maybe, maybe their minds were wandering. Have you ever let your mind wander when a preacher is preaching? <laughs> it sounds like you have. <laughs> Now, I'm sure you've never done it in any of the Christian Life Center services, I'm sure. <laughs> but we, we let our minds wander, you know. We start counting the lights, how many lights are burned out. <laughs> we see the water stains in the roof. We start thinking about our to-do lists. And man, now with social media and your smartphones, I mean, you're you're flipping through, you're you know, you're swiping and moving, and and if you have one of those new phones, your phone, your finger doesn't even leave the phone, and you know, you're just you're just going through, and you're there. Paul is saying, but you're not understanding. You see, discernment. Let me get back to this discernment. Discernment, first of all, is not. Discerning like you are the Holy Spirit's detective and you're going to reveal the dirty laundry for everybody. It doesn't start there. There is a realm where God will bring you prophetic images and thoughts and and words and revelation, but discernment begins, Paul is saying here in Hebrews, with understanding God's word. Discernment begins with understanding who God is. You understand his ways, his character, his methods. You know him in the word. You know what he's done before. And when you're walking through something, you can hold on to a promise saying you've done it before. And I believe you're going to do it again. How can you declare that? It's because you know him. See, discernment begins with knowing God in the Word, reading the Word, uh, concentrating on the Word, meditating, pondering the Word of God, reflecting on what you read and asking yourself, how does that impact my life and what does that mean to me? And it's something that you learn to do. You learn to trust. You learn to tune in to the frequencies of God. Spiritually, you're connected to God because you know who He is. The problem in the church today is many are in the church and they know about Him, but they really don't know Him. They're not tuning in to the frequencies of God. And so, Paul says, pick up in verse 12, Hebrews 5, verse 12, pick up, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others, meaning you ought to be sharing Christ with others, but instead, (laughs) that's a word of judgment, instead, you need someone to teach you again, teach you what? The basic things about God's word. You are like babies. (laughs) <laughs> man, Paul, is he's tough, man. That'd be like me walking up and saying, you're such a baby. You're, you're a baby. I mean, you're, you're babies. <laughs> it's just... Uh, maybe uh, I'm not even going to go there. You're babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how oh, here's some keys know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who, through oh here, underline this through training, they have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. You see, discernment is learning to recognize. You learn to recognize good from evil, right from wrong, righteousness from sin. You learn to recognize the influences on your life. You learn to recognize why did you have that attitude? Why did you say what you said? You learn to recognize that when you get around certain individuals, you begin to feel a certain way. There's an environment that I go to often. I have to go to it as part of some responsibilities that I have. And often when I go, I'll call Candy in the break and I'll say, I don't like being here. I don't like the way I feel when I'm here. And I'll say it time and time again, I I don't like being here because of the feelings that I have. You see, discernment recognizes, discernment looks, discernment begins to study and understand. You begin to look at your temptations and, and you begin to find out what are those temptation situations, and, and, and you begin to develop a battle plan so that you don't give in to the temptation. The temptation's not the sin, it's when you give in to the temptation. So you devise the battle plans that'll help you to overcome. I guarantee you this, if you're going to go beyond this next year, if you're going to see God do some greater things in your life this next year, you've got to eradicate all forms of darkness that are hindering and binding and blinding you and keeping you from that which God has for you. And if we will become a discerning people, if we will learn and grow and develop the skill of discernment, I guarantee you we'll begin to shake the atmosphere and the climate around you and your family and your situation will begin to shift and change some of you this year you've been walking through some battles some of you you've not been winning the battles you've been up and down in your spiritual life the enemy is walking all over you and your family and i'm telling you that's going to change in 2019 in the 2020 because we're making a declaration we're making a declaration that God, we're going to be your people, and we're going to become discerning people, and we're going to learn to walk with you and be what you want us to be so that we can conquer the victories and the battles that you have for us. So, the first key is that we grow in spiritual discernment. The second key, which is also linked to the first key, by the way, as you develop this first, as you develop the second key, you will become more spiritually discerning as well. And the second key is this, is that you pick up your spiritual weapons. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're going to pick it up. If you're going beyond, you're going to have to pick it up. And the first spiritual weapon that we're going to have to pick up is that of prayer and intercession. Say "Prayer." prayer and intercession, and the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the disciples in the upper room. It happened because they were united in a continual prayer meeting. They were together. They were persistent. They were praying and seeking God and desiring what Jesus said that they needed. And that was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on their life. In fact, he said, don't leave until you receive my spirit in the outpouring of my spirit, because you will not be able to do what you need to do if you launch out in your own flesh, in your own gifts, in your own abilities, in your own mind, you won't be able to do what I have planned for you to do. And so here they are in the upper room, 500 and more are there and they're praying and they're seeking God and they're tearing, they're knocking, they're asking, they're crying. And one day turned into two days, into five days, into seven days. And by the 10th day on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out, not on 500, but on how many? 120, 500 started, but only 120 tarried consistently pursuing and were persistent and saying, God, we've got to have your power. You see, here's the lesson is that intercession and in prayer lights your path. When you begin to when you begin to bombard heaven and you get into the heavens, let me tell you, you become pregnant with the purposes of God, and you begin to pray out God's purposes, like Ezekiel prayed over a valley of dry bones. You begin to prophetically speak and to pray, and God begins to give you images and pictures and words, and you begin to pray those out. And when you do, you're. Activating expectation and you're activating the prophetic and you're activating God's will so that you can go beyond where you currently are I'm telling you. It's a key. It's a key It's a key The problem for many in the church is they know it But they don't practice it And by the way praying over your food is not enough (laughs) It's not enough Whispering a few prayers during the day is not enough. It's not enough. That's survival prayer. That's not enough. I'm talking about prayer, and that's why I put the word intercession where we begin to press in and we're praying and we're seeking. And when you're praying and you're interceding like that, I'm telling you, you begin to turn the attacks of the enemy. You begin to confuse the enemy's camp. You begin to see prison doors opened up and victory bits released. You got to pick up the weapon. Why has the enemy been messing with you this year? Some of you, I haven't seen you since last New Year's. Why? It's because you haven't been praying. You've not been seeking. You've left a weapon on the ground and the enemy's trampling all over you. It's time to pick up that weapon. And it's time to say, I'm getting serious with God. I'm going into battle and I'm gonna win the battle and victory is mine. It's not enough to know it. You gotta pick it up like this sword right here. Can I pick this up? I just messed up their stage, but there's a sword, man, and I got a sword, and I'm going after the enemy, the sword of the Spirit. You see, we told you Sunday that when you get in the presence of God, revelation begins to be downloaded. God begins to clear the path. Things begin to be clear. Should I go left? Should I go right? And you see, when you've got revelation from God, it doesn't matter what problems will come. That doesn't mean it's not God's will because a problem comes. Something gets in your spirit and you know that God is with you and you're plowing forward to do what God wants you to do. The second... Weapon. There's a scripture you can read later, but the second weapon I want you to see is the weapon of worship. Prayer and worship. Now you got to understand that worship is more than a song, worship is more than music, worship is more than an event or a place that you go to. Worship is surrender from the heart. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is is yielding. Worship is surrendering. When you look all through scriptures, you begin to see all through scriptures that before they would go into battle, God's plan was that there was prophetic worship. And when you begin to look at battles that happened in Scripture, you see Joshua and Jehoshaphat and Miriam and Deborah and David on several occasions. I mean, there was prophetic worship that was a part of the battle plan. Now, again, it's not just a song. But boy, music begins to help you to surrender and begins to help you yield. Worship, when you begin to yield and surrender, begins to break open the heavens. And as you begin to break open the heavens, the things of this world begin to dissipate and the things of God become clearer and clearer and clearer. Revelation from God is released into your spirit and your breakthrough is coming with revelation from heaven you've been looking for man's plans you've been looking for man's action and man's advice you've been calling this girlfriend and that girlfriend and this buddy and that buddy you've been calling mama and everybody else trying to find out what to do it's time to pick up prayer and worship and find out what god wants us to do david before he was passing he was going to be turning over leadership to Solomon. He begins to organize and arrange things for Solomon. And in 1 Chronicles, we, we have the story in chapter 23 and verse 5, where David begins to organize things, and he's organizing the Levites, and, and he, he, he sections off the, the Levites in four sections— The first section was the largest, and it was 24,000 Levites that were going to be serving in the temple. (laughs) For all the leaders in the house, I just hope that falls in your spirit, 24,000 volunteers for the kingdom of God. I mean, there's just something in me that says, God, I can't wait for 24,000 volunteers. Can I just get a witness in the house? I mean, we got an auditorium, we can do it. I've told you before, we'll do as many services as we have to. If this service is, I mean, I was thinking tonight, I was thinking, man, next year we might need four. I don't know how we're gonna do it, but four, all the worship team's like, oh God. (laughs) Well, David had a plan for that too. Because David, the second section was leaders, 6,000 leaders, 24,000 volunteers, 6,000 leaders, And then when you look in 1 Chronicles 23, it says he had 4,000 worshipers. So Pastor Kevin, a choir of 4,000. I mean, instrumentalists and worship. We wouldn't have to worry. We could do services all week long because there would be plenty of musicians and worshipers and choir and orchestra and all of it. I mean, it was a part of the battle plan. And then Pastor Candy, he had 4,000 gatekeepers. In fact, that's what he called it, gatekeepers, 4,000 gatekeepers. Pastor Kenny, can you imagine? Hey, pay attention to me. Can you imagine? 4,000 gatekeepers. That's right. I mean, I'm just going, oh my gosh. All right, now I'm hearing some of you. I'm hearing some of you. Welcome, those of you that are coming. God bless you. Some of you are saying, Pastor, do I I really have to worship? Well, let me tell you what happens when you worship. When you begin to worship, it begins to release revelation from the heart of the Father. When you begin to enter into the throne of God and you're worshiping, can I tell you what you do? You begin to get impartation from God. God sends impartation through, through pictures. Through revelation, it'll come sometimes a a word or an impression into my spirit. Can I tell you that God, and we'll talk a little bit about this in the next couple weeks, God will even reveal to you in your dreams. Now, not all of your dreams are from God. You have to recognize the difference. So you might've dreamt that you were supposed to marry him. That might not be from God. I want to help you know the difference. We're going to talk about that in the next couple weeks so all of the singles don't miss. We're going to be be helping you out. We're going to be helping you. When you're worshiping, it pushes back the enemy. I mean, if there's any reason to worship, it's that reason. Because the enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy. But worship pushes him back. Worship binds him. Worship builds a shield around you. Worship releases deliverance and breakthrough. It begins to enable you to receive those words from God. And worship begins to stir the revival spirit and the fire of the spirit. It begins to move. Prayer and worship. In Acts chapter 16, we have the story of Paul and Silas in a prison cell. They're put in prison because they've been preaching the gospel. And as they're preaching, they get thrown in prison. And it says at midnight... Now I can imagine they're all beaten. They've been beat up. They're put in prison. I mean, they're they're bound in there. And at midnight, they begin to worship God. They start singing songs and praises to God. It's that all of the prisoners, Acts chapter 16, were listening. They were all intently listening. And, and here they are worshiping. And then all of a sudden... And man this is what happens when you begin to recognize this second weapon and this is the weapon of spiritual warfare the prayer and worship it's that all of a sudden the foundation of the prison began to shake I don't know but there's somebody in here today the foundation around you is about to begin to shake because there are things that God wants to break open in your life foundations began to shake and immediately the doors were open and everybody's shackles came off and they were loosed in the name of Jesus I'm telling you when you begin to worship like that your praise and worship I told you earlier let me say it again it confuses the enemy's camp There's a spiritual war that's raging over cities and regions and nations, and there is a tremendous outpouring of what God wants to send over this region, and there are revival hubs around America that God is building up and birthing, and I believe that God is wanting to do something through a people, a remnant at Christian Life Center that says, God, we are going to pray, we are going to worship, we are going to walk in spiritual discernment, because, God, we want to go further and going beyond anything that we've experienced up to this point. In Jesus' name. The last and final thoughts. Now the first two really deals with us personally, but the third one deals with us corporately. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, we're in it together. And that is, if we're gonna go beyond, we've got to advance in spiritual unity. See, no army will go into battle without being unified. They will not win that battle if they're not unified. In fact, I wanna introduce a different phrase to you. I wanna introduce a phrase, the scripture says, we're gonna read it in a moment, that their hearts were knit together. They were knit together like a like a family, the way God ordained a family to be, a family that they speak the same language, they have the same customs, they have the same beliefs, that that there is a spiritual language among us, that there is a, a unity that we're so knit together. In fact, in the book of Acts, it says that they were of one accord, one mind, one heart, and one accord. We can disagree about things and still be in one mind, one heart, and one accord. That we pray in the same ways we're fasting and believing and worshiping passionately. There's a longing for revival and an outbreaking and an awakening that comes from God. That we long to have an encounter with God. That we're unified in our pursuit for the supernatural to be released in our midst. There's this bond of unity. It's a covenant love it's a it's a DNA that that links us this bond this one accord be, becomes the the very essence of our journey and it holds us together I'm convinced that churches are not making the impact that God wants them to make corporately because they are not bound together, knit together in one heart, one mind, and one accord. Everybody wants to do their own thing. They want to have their own ministry. They want to go and do whatever they want. And they're not walking in unity. And one of the reasons is because there's been abuse in ministry and ministers and pastors that have abused their authority. And because of that, the enemy is winning the battle over the church and over the regions and over what God wants to do. God wants us to rise up as a voice and to make an impact for the kingdom of God. And I know God will humble us and enable us to be a church that he will use so that we can powerfully see, as it says in the book of Acts, that they turn the world upside down, knit together. I love the story of David. David and his mighty warriors. Now for ladies, I I just got to tell you this, this, this appeals to us a little bit as men. Maybe you as ladies as well, I'm not sure, but for us as men, there's something about linking together, that there's a, a band of brothers, that, 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 that we are warriors going into battle together. See, here's the spiritual release, is that God wants to weave his cord through our hearts that we, each and every one of us, are bound together, that we're determined We're going to win every battle over your family. We're going to win every battle that you're walking through, every physical battle, every spiritual battle, every financial battle, that we're walking together, we're fighting together, we're going into battle together, and that there's a unity that's there. I love the story of David and his mighty warriors. We find part of the story in 1 Samuel. In 1 Samuel, we see David, he's fleeing for his life, King Saul wants to take his life, and, and we see David running. He's alone, and he, he, he hides in the cave, the cave of Adullam. And as he's hiding there, his brothers and other relatives come and join him. So obviously his brothers have deserted Saul's army, and they've come to join David. And we know from another passage of Scripture over in Psalm Psalm chapter 142, I believe it is. In chapter 142, David is crying out to God, and it says, in the cave of Adullam. And in that cry, in that prayer, in that psalm, David is sharing how he feels alone, how he feels forsaken. And you can feel the anguish that he's in. He feels the distress, the, the trouble, and everything that's There. And then, when we go to 1 Samuel, we see something happening, and it's almost like we're seeing from two scriptures, David in the first part of the scripture where he feels isolated and alone, and now we're going to see what begins to happen in the second part of 1 Samuel. Look here with me. David left Gath, and he escaped to the cave of Adullam, where his brothers and other relatives soon joined him. Now, in Psalms 142 is the psalm where David's crying out, alone, forsaken, in deep anguish in that cave. But then others began coming. Those, look at here, look who began to join him. Those who were in all kinds of trouble. Those that had a spotted past, they began to join him. Now, don't raise your hand, but... A lot of us would have been joining him in that cave. He had a spotted checkered past. Guess what? You might've been one of his army. But then he goes on and say, look here, those who are in all kinds of trouble and then those who were what? In debt. So if you're in debt in here, if you have a credit card payment, a car payment, a house payment, guess what? Welcome to David's army. And then this one really sticks out to me. Or those who were merely discontented. Discontented meaning, God, there's got to be more. Where I'm at, the place where I'm at, God, there's, there's got to be more. They became a part. And, and it says that David began to be their leader and about 400 join him. And from other scriptures, we see that there was a mighty, a mighty band of warriors that came together. And they would have great victories and conquer uh, great battles because of the unity that was in their hearts. So, this is my prayer over us as a church. And in just a few moments, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen in our final moments. But my last thought is that my prayer as a church is if we're going to go beyond... That we're going to embrace and advance with spiritual unity. That we're going to say, God, this is my house. God, this is my church. God, I'm not going to sit back and be a spectator. God, I want to be a part of what you're doing. I'm longing, God, to see you do something, to do something greater. I'm determined to go beyond in my spiritual life, in my family, in my marriage, in my ministry. God, we want to go beyond as a church. God, whatever you want to do, God, we receive it and we willingly surrender to it. And in unity, God, bring a radical transformation. Can we agree on that in the Spirit? Amen. Go beyond. To go beyond is going to require you to grow in spiritual discernment. It's going to require you to pick up your spiritual weapons, the weapon of prayer and the weapon of worship. And thirdly, it's going to require us to advance in spiritual unity.